Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-Centered Leader in Confessional Broadcasting, Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, a couple of Christ-confessing Concordians reads through and discusses the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith, which we believe, teach, and confess that comes to us directly from Scripture. And our fellow confessor with us today is Reverend Dr. James Bonnet. He is the executive director for pastoral education uh, here, working here at the International Center. Um, he is also the author of Lutheran Doctrine and Practice Today, uh, a three-part series that is available through Concordia Publishing House, a publishing arm of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. And, uh, and that takes a look at uh, the theology and practice of uh, the Augsburg Confession, which we've already covered on this show. Today, we're going to dig into the Formula of Concord, but we're very pleased to have you here with us today, Reverend Dr. James Bonnick. Oh, very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a real honor. And uh, just for our listeners' sake, I mean, we'll just throw this out. You, you did share with me your newbie onto the radio here. I am. Uh, but uh, uh, we're, we're very confident that uh, the teaching we know will be faithful, right. uh, faithful confession. And, uh, and so everything else will just work itself out from there. That, that's the way it always works. Yeah. All right. And to catch us up, uh, we are in the formula of Concord. As I said, uh, we are going to be uh, looking at Article 4. Uh, today, the article on good works, which follows from, uh, it's a very logical progression as we've, we've highlighted on the show several times. It's a logical document, just progresses from one, uh, to the other. So it definitely pro- progresses forward from Article 3. Uh, which is on the issue of the righteousness of faith before God. And, uh, and I'll even highlight that last, um, negative theses, which I think, you know, just sets up that logical progression right. real well for us. Um, but, uh, as we get into the article on good works here, of course, we'll, uh, just lay out again how this, uh, works in the epitome of the formula of Concord, which we're reading from. There's the solid declaration, which is a much more lengthy treatment. And, uh, uh, we certainly may pull from that at times, but, uh, uh, we'll allow our listeners to read that, uh, in its uh, more lengthy treatment on its own. Um, so we're working just from the epitome. And the way the epitome is laid out is it gives the status of the controversy, then the affirmative statements, what we believe, teach, and confess, and then the negative statements, that which we reject and condemn. Uh, and I know that in our present culture always sounds really mean and things like that, but we reject and condemn it because Scripture rejects it as false teaching. Right. And uh, and then we discuss why. But uh, definitely digging into what's the what's the controversy on good works today. And so let's just go ahead and jump into it. So once again, this is Article 4 from the Epitome of the Formula of Concord. Uh, we are reading from the Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, a reader's edition of the Book of Concord, available to you from Concordia Publishing House. And this is the status of the controversy. Concerning the doctrine of good works, two divisions have arisen in some churches. First, some theologians have become divided 
because of the following expressions. One side wrote, Good works are necessary for salvation. It is impossible to be saved without good works. That's a direct quote uh, from that side. They also wrote another quote, No one has ever been saved without good works. And that quote. But the other side, on the contrary, wrote, quoting, Good works are harmful to salvation. End of that quote. Now, point two here, paragraph three. Afterward, a schism arose between some theologians because of the two words necessary and free. The one side argued that the word necessary should not be used about the new obedience, which they say does not flow from necessity and coercion, but from a voluntary spirit. The other side insisted on the word necessary. They say obedience is not our option, but regenerate people are obliged to render this obedience. From this dispute about the terms, a controversy arose afterward about the subject itself. For the one side contended that among Christians, the law should not be presented at all, but people should be encouraged to do good works from the Holy Gospel alone. The other side contradicted this. That's the end of the status of the controversy. Much to discuss in there. I'll just say, you know, kind of lightly to begin with here. It gives me some comfort when I see highlighted so often a controversy arose between theologians. It's like, oh, good, it's not just our time and culture <laughs> today right. uh, where we have these issues. So go ahead and begin to break this down a little bit for us here, uh, what this this controversy is. Right. Well, uh, it's, it is interesting, isn't it, uh, as you said there, um, the progression flows from the other one, and yet all all the articles are so interrelated. I mean, one one affects the other one. Um, I'd just like to lay down a few markers uh, for all of us, and maybe you've been through some of these things as you've you know gone through the previous um, articles. But well, today is a very important day for us, right? Uh, today is uh, uh, the anniversary of Luther's death. Um, and that was February 18, 1546. Um, so that's a, that's a strong marker, even in this controversy of good works. And we'll see why in just a few minutes. If we back up a little bit, as you mentioned earlier, the Augsburg Confession, that's a major marker uh, of 1530. Interesting is Melanchthon is the main writer for the Augsburg Confession, although I know there's some uh, thoughts and controversy that Luther's wording is is in the Augsburg Confession quite a bit, but uh, Luther was back at Coburg, right, and uh, sending letters and, and emails <laughs> to Melanchthon telling him what to write and what not to write or what to take out. But anyway, the Augsburg Confession deals with good works, um, which is going to tie in then with this... Um, with the formula. Then we have three major, uh, or not three major, but we have a number of controversies that are going on. And I'm, you've been dealing with these controversies. And actually, that's why each of these articles is written. But they're all related. Uh, so, for instance, we have the antinomian controversy. And that actually starts already before the Augsburg Confession about no law. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. We have uh, the controversy of the descent into hell. That doesn't really relate to this one. But uh, the Adiaphora controversy, uh, that's 1548. We have uh, the Christ righteousness controversy, which does is uh, affects what we're talking about here of 1549 through 66. 
Then we have the full-blown good works controversy, and uh, we also call it the majoristic controversy, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, 1551 to 62, the synergism controversy, which uh, also <laughs> is interrelated with the good works uh, controversy. The synergistic controversy is 1555 to 60. And then we have a couple other ones, crypto-Calvinist, original sin uh, controversies. Uh, the important thing, the interesting thing is that all these controversies are going on just about the time Luther dies. Um, and the Lutheran Church, um, I mean, there's a possibility it could end, right? I mean, with all these controversies. A couple other markers, and we're going to come back to a number of these uh, a couple other uh, markers are three major events um, that lead up to this Article 4. And the first major event is the Small Caldic War, uh, and that's in 1546. I'm just going to lay down the markers. We'll come back, okay? And then the Augsburg Interim, which is 1548. Remember when Luther died, 1546. Let me back up again. So 1546, Luther died. 1546, a little later, we have the Small Caldic War. 1548, two years later, we have the Augsburg Interim. 1548, that same year, we have the Leipzig Interim. So those are three markers that we're going to come back to in just a few moments. Another thing that we want to uh, explore a little bit here in the little one hour that we have <laughs> Sean's over here thinking, we're never going to get done. <laughs> but um, Face it every week on yeah. this show. <laughs> we just go into the next week. That's right. Is what happened to Philip Melanchthon, right? And you've probably talked about this on your show uh, as well. This controversy, um, uh, we, we have to talk about what happened to him, and especially in... Uh, the Articles of Justification and Good Works. Um, he he went awry, and and he's a big part of our controversy, which then all 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 leads up to then the Formula of Concord in uh, 1573. All right, so can I just start now? And yeah, go ahead. So I mean, just basic recap is, uh, and we've. We have highlighted this, although we tend to only do it in spurts. So I, I, I'm really pleased to kind of get a little more thorough treatment here because okay. I do see this as kind of the hub of where things come together here. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, yeah, we, we've talked about how, yeah, things when the when the uh, uh, formula of Concord comes to be, things are just about ready to kind of come off the wheels and just fall apart in the Lutheran church. Right. Um, there's always kind of that fear when you have a major prominent figure and leader of any movement or anything in this world um, that it's kind of in danger of that but especially when theology is at stake and it starts to go awry and starts to kind of wander from scripture and this is of course good works the issue that was very central to the reformation right definitely highlighted and addressed in the augsburg confession written by philip melanchthon and then he's a part of this controversy so go right. ahead and start unpacking that there all for right us. wonderful so we're going to go back to the Augsburg Confession just very briefly. So Article uh, 20 of the Augsburg Confession was good works. So it's 43 years before the formula of Concord that we're talking about today. Um, in, in that article, it talked about um, 
salvation by works can lead to despair and doubt and uncertainty. It just still astounds me that Melanchthon is the writer of these words and that uh, it also says in that article that we teach the Ten Commandments. I mean, we do teach the law and we do teach good works. Matter of fact, I'm working on a major study right now um, looking at Luther's major tenets of faith or uh, doctrines. One thing that he writes on, I'm finding out almost more than anything else is good works. <laughs> it's just amazing. And he got hmm. accused of not, you know, teaching good works, um, but not for salvation. Obviously, that's the crux of the whole thing. Rome says that we are justified by faith and works at the time of the Augsburg Confession and even today yet. Um, and yet the Augsburg Confession says it's necessary to do good works, not for salvation, and that word necessary is going to be really important as we get into this, as we get into the formula. Um, and it also says in that article that good works cannot happen without faith. And yet faith is the gift of the Holy Spirit who creates, sustains, nourishes um, uh, faith and therefore the outgrowth of good works. Luther declared in 1531, a year after the Augsburg Confession, that the gospel would abide only a short time. <laughs> he already saw all these controversies. Well, th I mean, he's in the middle of controversy, but he also sees that in the future, there's still a wrestling. And it's... I. I was working on a little Venn diagram, and somebody walked into my office today and said, "Oh, you're working on a Venn diagram." <laughs> anyway, so I mean, it's, this, it's really wonderful. I can see it from yeah, here. Isn't it yeah, pretty. <laughs> so the Venn diagram has four circles in it at Rome, and at the time of the uh, formula is Pope Paul the Third, and then Emperor Charles the Fifth. And we'll come back to them. We have the. Philip Melanchthon and his group, now the Philippists. We have the Genesio Lutherans, um, who are at the time of formula. Now I'm jumping back and forth in time, but at the time of the formula with Amsdorf and Flacius. And then we have the centrists, which are our guys, Chemnitz, Andre, and, and others. All these forces um, interacting with one another, the Venn diagram in the sense that one is affecting the other, one's fighting against the other. Um, and so all this is in the middle of, all these parties are in the middle of all these controversies. Luther returns from Small Called and the Small Called Articles um, in 1537, and he even writes on good works um, within uh, the Small Called Articles. At this time, um, a man named George Major um, was a Lutheran theologian. He's a friend of Luther. He's uh, involved in Leipzig Interim, which we'll get to in a minute. And he now starts very uh, publicly teaching that uh, good works are necessary for salvation and necessary to retain our faith. So if you want to keep your faith, you got to do good works. So almost as though faith and good works are a means of grace, right? So now we have Melanchthon. Melanchthon jumps on board um, with Major. And actually, Melanchthon is given the title of father of the Majoristic controversy. Uh, Melanchthon says, yes, 
good works are necessary to salvation. Um, Melanchthon also wrote, nevertheless, good works are necessary to eternal life inasmuch as they must necessarily follow reconciliation. So what we have here, I'm sure on your show you've talked about law and gospel, and, and that's what's really happening here with Philip and with Major is, is the commingling or the confusion of law and gospel, justification, good works, and their right place. And of course, if I might highlight here too, that right. is again the logical progression that we see setting up because then the next article is on law and gospel. And so <laughs> you're highlighting exactly what is very helpful. I should also back up and, and uh, just say, I was going to read the, the last line from oh. the previous article to show that progression. And I never did, um, but I think it highlights what you've been laying out here. It says, Good. Uh, so the last thing that we reject and condemn uh, from from Article 3, the righteousness of faith before God says, faith does not justify without good works, so that good works are necessary, necessarily required for righteousness, and without their presence, a person cannot be justified. So this controversy is very much related to the for salvation part. And exactly. and again, I think you, you've said we're, we're going to talk about, especially when we get into the affirmative statements, the word necessary and how we may properly use that, but it's the for salvation part. Is that a fair statement yeah, here? That is really exactly. the controversy. That is the controversy. Okay. Right? Yeah. All right. Continue on. So now we have a student of Melanchthon in Wittenberg, Krusiger. I'm not really sure how to pronounce all these words. Do you know? That I, I butcher names all the time. Okay, just good. sound confident and <laughs> you move just on. say it confidently. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, he said, Good works are indeed not the efficient cause of salvation, but nevertheless the indispensable cause. So preparing for uh, my time here on the radio, I had to go do a bunch of homework. <laughs> so thank you. Thank for, you. Thank you for helping me to grow here a little bit. This comes from Aristotle, I learned. Um, the efficient cause is the primary source. So Krusiger says... Good works are indeed not the primary source of salvation, but with Melanchthon and Major, he would say they're the indispensable cause. In other words, they have uh, some essential role in in uh, salvation, uh, good works do. Even though they may not be the primary, uh, they still have a role in uh, salvation. So... Um, so we have a number of these individuals now who are advocating what Philip now is advocating, that good works are necessary for salvation. Then we have Martin, I mean, um, Melanchthon uh, uh, speaking to uh, Veit Dietrich, uh, who is a Lutheran pastor in that area. And he, I mean, I'm sorry, um, he writes about a Lutheran pastor, Cordatus, and he says, Cordatus incites the city, its neighborhood, and even the court against me, Melanchthon's writing, because in the explanation of the controversy and justification, I have said that new obedience is necessary to salvation. <laughs> and what's going on here is Melanchthon's becoming more public, right? Um, and Luther then is getting into the mix, and he writes this. This is the very theology of Erasmus, nor can anything be more opposed to our doctrine. This is tantamount to treading Christ and, our, and his blood under our feet. The sad thing is 
just like today, theologians who are friends are now disagreeing. And uh, Philip Melanchthon and Luther are now in a disagreement over this good works issue. Kruziger, um, um, or Luther presents then a public disputation, June 1st, 1517, or 1537, sorry. And Kruziger tells us what Luther quoted, Luther, or I mean what Luther did. He, Kruziger says, Luther exploded and condemned. Luther maintained that new obedience is an effect necessarily following justification, but he rejected the statement, new obedience is necessary to salvation. So now Luther's uh, out in public um, uh, objecting to what Melanchthon is saying. Private letters of Melanchthon prove that Melanchthon had animosity now toward Cordatus and Luther over this topic. So it's growing. After Luther's disputation, uh, this one where Luther exploded, Melanchthon then did acquiesce. <laughs> um, he, he, uh, uh, Melanchthon uh, kept his statement, good works are necessary to salvation, not a print. He quieted it down. That was 1537. However, four years later, 1541, Melanchthon wrote that we are justified by a living and efficacious faith. <laughs> now, now Luther comes back and says, no, Melanchthon, you need to delete those words um, and efficacious. Melanchthon again backed off and quieted down. Um, then in 1545 through 1648, now, that's about 100 years span. Now we have Rome kind of resurging up against the Lutherans. And we have the Roman Catholic Counter-Reformation uh, that's taking place. Now it kind of all speeds up. 1546, Luther dies. The big voice in all of this, who's con not controlling, but keeping doctrinal check over some of these controversies, has just died, Right. Um, he dies in Eisleben, where he was born. 1546, Pope uh, Paul III and Charles V entered into a secret agreement to crush the Reformation. That was on June 26th. Luther died in February. This is now June. The Pope, I mean, Charles wanted to keep this quiet, that we're going to go crush you know, the, uh, the Lutherans and the Reformed, because we have Calvin and Zwingli out there as well that he wanted crushed. The Pope uh, wanted to be a little more uh, not as quiet, and so he made a public uh, declaration of war. And here's one of those markers, the small Caldic War. In 1546, the same year that Luther uh, died, the small Caldic League was a military alliance of Lutheran princes, those princes that um, um, backed Luther and were Lutheran. I mean, they believed in the Lutheran faith. And yet, um, these princes were defeated in the Battle of Muehlberg, uh, April 24, 1547, so a year after Luther uh, died. 1547, they, the same military force of the Pope and uh, Charles defeated Wittenberg. Uh, Wittenberg was defeated May 19. If you've been to Germany, like to the castle church, um, we have stories of these armies riding in on their horses right through the sanctuary, right? 
1547, the University of Jena was founded by the Gnasio Lutherans. We'll come back to them. Then uh, 1548, so this is two years after Luther died, we have the Augsburg Interim. And uh, this is May 15. Uh, order of the Emperor, Charles ordered a series of commands now on the Lutherans. Um, it was um, political and ecclesiastical compromises. The Pope wanted them smashed. Um, whereas Charles is wanting compromise, the Pope just wants them gone. Um, but Philip Melanchthon now publicly compromises um, with the um, Augsburg interim. Melanchthon lapsed into his old heir. I'm not sure he lapsed. Um, and um, Melanchthon um, uh, makes some concessions. Now, maybe we'll come back to this in a few minutes. All right. We're going to leave that cliffhanger right there because we got to <laughs> take a break. It's just an unfortunate part of radio. But uh, lots of great uh, progression here. We're, we're playing through history, all related to our sound confession of the face. So please join us right after this break. I'm free to be faithful moderator Kip Allen. The annual National Prayer Breakfast was held earlier this month. This annual event brings together political and spiritual leaders from across the world to pray and discuss various issues. Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty Executive Director Greg Seltz attended. We discussed what he saw and heard at Free to be Faithful Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. Hello. This is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. 
welcome back to Concord Matters as we have our fellow confessor with us today, Reverend Dr. James Bonick, who is the Executive Director for Pastoral Education for the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate, working here at the International Center. And you were taking us through all this great history. I mean, it, this is just fantastic stuff. This is a, exactly what I wanted to do with this show, uh, is give this thorough treatment because this really is the hub of where all these things start to come together. All the relationships are playing uh, against one another. We, we've got real things happening in history, namely Luther has died, and now there's all this controversy that he was kind of able to help hold together. And and you left us off in the Augsburg interim, which followed the small Caldic war and things like that. So go ahead and pick us up on more history. Keep pushing us forward through history. Right. Here. Good. Thanks. So, uh, you mentioned small Caldic war, 1546. Um, again, that's when the armies are basically, um, uh, coming and destroying, uh, the reform, the reformed, uh, believers. Um, and the Lutherans. And so then in 1548, we do have that Augsburg interim, May 15. And just to recap, uh, this was Order of the Emperor, and uh, Charles ordered a series of commands on the Lutherans. And um, and these were orders. And uh, again, the Pope wanted no no compromise. He just wanted acquiesce uh, or, or be killed. And it's amazing, isn't it, that uh, in order to destroy Lutheranism, um, and confessional uh, Christianity, they're, they're going to kill them, right? Yep. Um, so political and ecclesiastical compromises, um, um, uh, the Pope, uh, uh, Melanchthon compromised, uh, Melanchthon lapsed into his old era, as we said. So now we have a number of individuals called the Philippists, and uh, that would be Melanchthon, of course, Krusiger, Pfeffinger, Gresser, Major, and Ferster, I think is how you say it. Together in there, um, they wrote a statement, and their statement said, For this uh, pro- proposition is certainly true, that no one can be saved without love and good works. Now think, think about that. That's the crux of our controversy, right? So again, it's certain t- certainly true that no one can be saved without love and good works. Yet we are not justified by love and good works, but by grace for Christ's sake. So it's like double talk, <laughs> yeah. right? And, it's, and it takes us back to that. Efficient. Sesame Street said, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong, right? I, I think I learned that at Sesame Street. That's exactly right. I guess yeah. they didn't have it back then. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, and so that's kind of back to that efficient and dis- indispensable cause, right? It's not the main thing, but it's a part of the main thing um, is, uh, is what they're saying. Then we have 1548, we have the Leipzig interim. So same year, um, and this is a compromise document of the Philippists, an official compromise document of uh, the Philippists and Rome uh, versus the Gnasio Lutherans. That's what, that's what the Leipzig interim is. So it's two sides, the Philippists and Rome, which is interesting. Philip now is on Rome's side, so to speak. I'm not sure he would say that necessarily, but he is. And we have the Genesio, uh or the genuine Lutherans, Genesio genuine Lutherans. Uh, George Major joined Philip, as we said earlier. He's a student of Melanchthon at Wittenberg. Major in the Leipzig interim emphasized that uh, Christian virtues and good works are meritorious 
and necessary to salvation. Major's not quite as double talk as Melanchthon is. He just says it, right? I mean, he just, he don't, he goes basically back to Rome um, in the sense that uh, good works are necessary to salvation. Um, there's a, a writer uh, who wrote a history on the book of uh, Concord, Bente. Maybe you've mentioned yeah. him. In your- yeah, Friedrich Bente. Um, he wrote, Major explained that good works are necessary, there's our key word again, to salvation, not because they effect or merit forgiveness of sins, justification, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit and eternal life, but nevertheless, good works must be present, not as a merit, but as a due obedience toward God. And I would imagine that some people listening may even think, what's the big deal? You know, a due obedience, yeah, that's what we we do live the Ten Commandments. The big deal is what you kind of said earlier. It's it's not due obedience for salvation. And uh, we're always keeping the law or good works, um, virtue out of what Christ did on the cross, which is the soul um means of salvation forgiveness and eternal life never our our works then we have now we have this other side the Ganesio lutherans uh the genuine lutherans they called themselves now that's maybe a, almost a little deceiving because we don't think they're the genuine <laughs> lutherans right um they're they go it's like Luther always talked about two ditches, and so Philip's on one ditch, and now we have the Ganesio Lutherans falling off the other ditch, and especially um, uh, one of the main contributors, Amsdorf, um, said, whoever teaches and preaches these uh, words, good works are necessary to salvation, is a Pelagian, <laughs> and we'll we can talk about that in a little bit too. Well, we've highlighted Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism okay. on the last several episodes. Actually, okay, so yeah. Um, and a deni- and he goes on and a denier of Christ, who would teach these things that Philip is teaching in Major, and ha- uh, he has the same spirit which prompted Doctors Messinger and Weitzel to write against Doctor Luther, a blessed memory, that good works are necessary to salvation. And again, um, uh, Pelagianism, as you've highlighted before, is that man basically uh, is good and can move in the direction of God first. He's the prime mover, right? And then God may come back and meet him halfway for salvation's sake. This interim referred to good works as being necessary for salvation. Again, that's the crux of this whole Article 4 on good works. Bente, again, says the Leipzig interim proved a failure. Remember, that's this document um, uh, that uh, the Philippists um, wrote and uh, versus the Gnasio Lutherans. Bente says the Leipzig interim proved a failure. It was a truce over the corpse of true Lutheranism. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. I yeah, said this. So I had to write it down. <laughs> So on the other side, the Ganes, so we kind of had the Philippists, right? Good works necessary for salvation. Now we have um, Nicholas Amsdorf, Ganesio Lutheran leader, uh, a close and trusted friend of Martin Luther. Um, he's one of the most zealous opponents of Majorism or the Philippists. Amsdorf denounced Major as a Pelagian 
And not only that, a double papist. <laughs> so I'm not sure which was worse in his eyes. However, Amsdorf fell into the other ditch, um, declaring that good works are actually detrimental and injurious to salvation. Oops, <laughs> that's, that's not a good thing either because we do teach good works. In 1559, a tract against Menaeus, uh, uh, Amsdorf wrote, this proposition, good works are injurious to salvation, is a correct one, true. Christian proposition taught and preached by St. Paul's and Luther. <laughs> so I mean, he's saying Paul and Luther actually taught uh, that good works are injurious, you know, and no, they didn't. Uh, he was he was wrong. Um, so now we have three parties, if we're kind of keeping track here. Um, this was in my Venn diagram earlier. See, I told you it would all come around. <laughs> Uh, we need a whiteboard for the people on the radio to see what we're doing yeah, here. Uh, or to live stream this on YouTube or something. You Maybe go. we can post your Venn diagram on the uh, uh, org uh, under this. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll scan it in and, and we'll get it to our listeners somehow. Anyway, um, so the Philippists, they embraced um, the Leipzig in, uh, interim. They embraced uh, a sense of synergism and uh, crypto-Calvinists, which you can talk about in later shows, right? Uh, main players in the Philippus are Melanchthon, uh, Paul Eber, Caspar Krusiger, we've mentioned his name, George Major, we've mentioned his name, Caspar um, Poiser, I think is how you pronounce his name, and Menaeus. Uh, they were the leaders of the theologians of the electoral Saxony. So Saxony is kind of where Luther lived. It was the Saxon Lutherans that came uh, to uh, the United States up into um Missouri. Uh, their headquarters are the universities of Wittenberg. However, remember Wittenberg got taken over now, uh, and Leipzig. Uh, then we have the Gnasio Lutherans, the other ditch. Um, they are, call themselves the genuine Lutherans. Their, one of their chief um, goals was to be uh, determined to be an opponent of the Philippus. I mean, that was their major uh, battle. People that were on in the Gnasio Lutheran side were Amsdorf, Cordatus, Flacius, I've heard of his name, maybe Gallus, um, some other ones. They were theologians of Ducal Saxony, the Electorals and the Ducal, the the um, kingly, prince, princely ones. Their headquarters are Magdeburg and the University of Jena in Germany, of course. Then we have the Central Party, and thank God for the Central Party, right? Um, what What is the saying that if not for the second Luther, the first Luther would have been forgotten or something mm -hmm. like that? Um, and uh, uh, Luther, I mean, uh, Martin, I meant, not, I said Luther, but Martin yeah. Chemnitz. Yeah. So they're the loyal Lutherans, the framers of the formula of Concord. Um, we have Chemnitz, uh, Andre, uh, Selnicker, and some other ones. So, um, by now, with with these three parties, we have the th we have um, full blown good works controversy, and this is the very thing then that um, our, your Article Four here today is now addressing. So we've led all the way up to this in fifteen fifty two now. Um, recognizing that the Leipzig debate, I mean, interim was in 1548. So now we're 1552. Um, Elector Maurice drove Charles V out of Augsburg 
and uh, we have um, a treaty going on. So things are um, things are changing politically uh, as well during this time. We have the Treaty of Passau, which both guaranteed religious liberty to the Lutherans and the other Protestants. So Rome is backing off a little bit of their war. Um, and Treaty of Augsburg, which is the saying, he who rules his the religion. So if the ruler is um, Roman Catholic, then that territory will be Roman Catholic. If he's Lutheran or Calvinist, that's what that region will be. In 1553, however, <laughs> we have Melanchthon once again saying new obedience is necessary. I mean, he, he's bound on this. He is determined. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident that he's saying this. He's not being misunderstood. This is what he's saying. Um, but when it is said that new obedience is necessary to salvation, the papists understand that good works merit salvation. Um, Melanchthon's writing this. This proposition is false. Therefore, I relinquish this mode of speech. So Melanchthon's trying to, again, play both sides um, of the issue. Bente, however, writes... Um, Gallus of Gnesio Lutheran maintained that if the righteousness presented by Christ alone is the cause of our self, a justification and salvation, then good works can only be the fruits of it. So now we've got the two words that uh, you're going to deal with in the affirmative and the, and the uh, negative statements, and that is necessary and freedom or voluntary, right? And so the fruits of faith is the voluntary, the freedom. I'm free to do good works now. I live, I do good works voluntarily because I am saved, not in order to be saved. Um, and and uh, that would be Luther as well. That's the proper understanding of Luther and now Chemnitz as well. Um, so, uh, 1573, we have the Formula of Concord Group, the Centrists. Um, we have Andre now writes a series of sermons, and uh, these sermons deal with good works. And it's Andre's sermons that now turn into the affirmative statements uh, that are used for the affirmative statements of what you're going to be probably looking at uh, next week. Um, Again, the controversy is over the words necessary or coercion and free or voluntary. Bente writes again, necessary signifies not only the eternal immutable order according to which all men are oblig uh, obliged and in duty bound to obey God, but sometimes also a coercion by which the law forces men to good works. So again, uh, the crux of the issue is not, uh, good works. Are they a coercion? Are they forced upon me? Um, do I do them in the sense of the law? Um, uh, it's kind of like this. You're probably going to get into this in the next couple of weeks, but it's kind of like some preaching we accidentally fall into um, law, gospel, and then law again. Uh, and sanctification in the right sense, that's not sanctification in the right sense. but And that's kind of what uh, I see, and maybe, I don't know if you agree or not, but the, I, that's what I kind of see with, the Phil, with Philip and some of the advocates of Philip as well, is they don't want to make good works absolute, the sole source of salvation, 
but there's a law that returns uh, that we have to do, and that would not be correct, right? Um, the same old argument from Rome accusing Luther of condemning good works and denying their necessity. Now, Luther would say, of course, good works are necessary. Uh, Chemnitz would say, well, of course, good works are necessary, but not for salvation. It's that for salvation, which uh, you had said earlier. And, and the affirmatives and the negatives are going to bear this out all the more. Bente again says, they argued if good works are not necessary for salvation, they cannot be necessary at all. Uh, and, and so that's what we would say. It's not only that good works are not necessary for salvation. They're not necessary at all. Uh, there's not even like, we don't even do like uh, 1% good works in order for God to love us. Um, 100% God loves us, saved us, justified us, redeemed us through his blood, death, and resurrection. That's what Luther and Chemnitz would strongly be uh, advocating and that's and that's obviously the very uh, crux of the Holy Scriptures as well. So it's not like this is just a trifle um, article. Uh, it's not like you know they're just arguing over the word for salvation. Um, that is the very crux of the Christian faith that Christ alone is my salvation, and no work uh, contributes toward my salvation. But good works are necessary. Um, uh, we do do them. I mean, the fruits of faith, the fruits of being a baptized child of God, but that's not contributed toward my salvation. Um, let's see what else I have. Do you have any thoughts or comments? Well, yeah, so I mean, th this is a helpful place probably to uh, to jump in and say, Yes, this is the very heart of the gospel. And and again, a place where we see where this is all coming together in, in, in the hub of this. It, it We talk about Article 3, which is Article 4 in the Augsburg Confession, the, the article upon which the church stands and falls, the article of justification. And we start to see why here, I think, why that is the article of faith, um, that doctrine of the gospel upon which the church stands and falls. Because as soon as we get into this issue about good works, right, we, we can just see the whole scriptures begins to topple and is really at stake when you get bad teaching on good works, right? What is their role? What, what place do they play? You know, do I have any sort of standing before God in terms of, you know, confidence on the last day or anything because of, of even just the tiniest little bit of works? You know, do I, do I count on those for being a genuine faith in me? I mean, all of this begins to play into this. And that's where we need that clear confession of that chief article. Again, as you said so well, God loves you. He, he loves you entirely, perfectly in Christ Jesus. That is his sole motivation for sending Christ into the world to take on our human flesh, to suffer, to die, to rise again so that you will be saved. And faith in that is going to produce good works. And right. we're definitely going to see that all come out here in the affirmative and negative statements. Uh, but but I think it is bare, uh, you know important to highlight here. We start to see why, especially again in this logical progression of exactly why uh, everything hinges on that. 
article of faith, the righteousness of faith before God, our justification solely through Christ alone, because as soon as good work starts getting in there, then it messes everything up. All right. All right. Uh, you've been giving us great, great history. That That's an awesome thing. Uh, with maybe about, uh, I can do my math here, five minutes or so uh, left, uh, any other great history that plays into our understanding of this article or anything else that you want to highlight on? Because we've got these different groups floating around and everything. Right. And, and I like how you've highlighted the centrists for us and their their position and so forth. Anything else that kind of plays into this here? Well, a couple, couple of adults maybe just kind of think through this as to where this is going. Uh, the guy named Wigand, um, he's a close supporter of Flacius. He's a Ganesio Lutheran. Um, so on, on the Ganesio Lutheran side, again, looking at this debate, he writes, <clears throat> it is a most malicious and insidious trait in the new teachers, he's calling those the majors, although they're not all that new, uh, that they, in order to gloss over their case, cry out with the papists that the controversy is whether good works are necessary. But this is not in dispute, for no Christian ever denied it. Good works are necessary, and they are certainly true. He's continuing to quote, but the conflict arises from the appendix attached to it and the patch pasted to it, that is, to salvation. And here all God-fearing men say that it is a detrimental, offensive, damnable, papistic appendix. So Luther and even Melanchthon fought and fought um, uh, with their words and and, and even, you know, uh, Luther going into hiding and wanting his life uh, to be taken uh, for this very thing uh, that is uh, salvation through Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, um, and so on. And uh, and now uh, Melanchthon and and the and Major are re, are returning to it, and that's what that's what um, uh, Wigand is calling out: is you're returning to the papists, you know. Um, and this all brings into play. Then I, we said how they how they interconnect as you get into um, Agricola and the Antinomians in uh, five and Articles five and six, um, where they actually rejected a new obedience. So they're kind of falling in line with the Gnasio <clears throat> Lutherans. Um, uh, they say that uh, the highest art of a Christian is not to know the law. <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking. What are you talking about? I mean, how can you even make this a major argument of of now we're not bound under the law anymore at all? I mean, of course we live the Ten Commandments again, not for salvation, but as as a fruit of faith. It is interesting, though, that when the Gnasio Lutherans are pushed by the centrists in this one article, um, that they kind of do back up a little bit and say, okay, uh, we do do good works. Um, I think they were getting, they were fighting so much against Philip uh, and Major that they said good works are detrimental. But when uh, Chemnitz uh, uh, and Andre push back a little bit, I think here, and I, you know, I could be proven wrong, but it would appear to me that the Gnasio Lutherans are saying, okay, we agree. Um, and they kind of do fall in line with the centrists uh, on this article, finally. However, um, I think it was Bente who said, even though the uh, the uh, Gnasio Lutherans kind of fell back in line with, um, with the uh, centrists, 
because it was said, um, because uh, the Ganesia Lutheran said this, um, this is why it was so important for Chemnitz and others to put this actually into the formula of, of pointing out these two ditches or these two errors. Yeah, I often like to, to say, I probably say it almost every week on this show, you know, I, I think, you know, the nature of the Christian faith, the Lutheran confession of it certainly, is that of holding attention. And, and for whatever reason, uh, sinful human nature really struggles to hold that tension. And it seems like we, we tend to go off on the one side and too much. It, you know, we talk in extremes and then we double down on those extremes. And, and we've certainly highlighted, you, you brought Flacius up a couple of times and we talked about him a good bit, especially with the first article. Right. Uh, in the formula of Concord here. Uh, so with uh, about a minute 30 left here, any you, you've done awesome, awesome research. Thank you so much for doing that and, and coming on here and laying out all this history and, and where all these things come together. I think you've done an awesome job. Anything for you that you'd really like to leave us with one highlighting thought of, of kind of what you've got uh, from from all of this? Where what, what's what's the real issue here? Well, the real issue is Christ uh, and Christ alone uh, for salvation. Uh, as you as you look at Augsburg, as you look at um, the the uh, formula, isn't it good that we don't have any more controversies anymore? <laughs> it seems like the church is always in tension, as you said. Maybe that's not such a bad thing, but the tension should always lead us back to what we've said a number of times here today: the Holy Scriptures and its pure word. Uh, it is the pure word of God. It's the truth, as Christ is the truth, um, as He is the way and uh, um, to salvation, and um, and it's Christ alone, not our works. Um, although we do good works as a fruit of of faith, I think that's very well said. And 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 maybe you're recognizing a theme here that uh, every week it always comes back to Christ, and and that's very <laughs> intentional uh, that we do that. And uh, again, thank you so much for your work, and 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 you really start to see this play out then uh, as we do still see this today we kind of laughed at that but certainly you know you're probably listening to this and I see some of these things going on in the church today and we're going to get to that as we get into the affirmative and negative statements so that's Reverend Dr. James Bonick thank you so much for your excellent work and laying out the history for us today also if you would like to leave a question or comment for us the next time we convene for Concord you can do so by calling 314-996-1542 email kfuo at K kfuo.org find us on social media at kfuo radio and again thank you for stopping by today and until next time keep confessing church